0: All right, it seems to be working now. I hope it's working. I hope this is actually recording. That would suck really bad. I hope really this doesn't bad. get deleted. <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
1: Welcome to episode 371 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm
0: Marshall Bach. How you doing, Brian? It's in the game. (laughs) EA Sports, it's in the game.
1: Dude, that shit is classic. Yeah. Like, they just found the perfect dude with the perfect voice (laughs) for the perfect series of video games. Like, that is the stars aligning at a cosmic level. Mm -hmm. Anyways, props (laughs) to EA for maybe the only good thing you've ever done. Yeah.
0: (laughs) True, true. (laughs) How you doing, Brian? Oh, yeah. uh, Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? That's that's, it. Those are my words I'm supposed to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, You know, Marshall, by the time this episode comes out, it will be
0: Wednesday, November the 4th. Uh, just wake me up when it's over Brian. I can't I feel
1: like we're recording in a time machine kind of. Like I think people will listen to this on November 4th and be like how are they in such a good mood? Like don't uh-huh. they understand what is happening? Cuz if we were to record and release this on Wednesday, I think our voices would have a slightly different tone. Mhm. So mm-hmm. That's how I'm doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk about it. Uh, Existential crises. I need to escape, Brian. Let's talk about design. Let's do it. All right, well, first up, huge shout-outs to Float. Float is making this episode
1: possible. Float is used by more than 3,000 of the world's top design teams, including BuzzFeed and MetaLab, to plan their projects and schedule their team's time. It's the most accurate tool for planning your project resources and scheduling your team's time. And in the age of remote working, You need that more than ever. You can learn more at float.com slash design details. Thank you, Float. Thanks, Float. We also have some very important pixels this week. Um, I'm just going to say ahead of time, all of your names are beautiful. There are two names today that are exceptional. Uh (laughs) Um... Don't feel bad if if your name isn't one of the exceptional ones, but my goodness, we got some good names. I just
0: looked at the list, Brian. I know exactly what you're talking (laughs) about. Are they related? Uh, We'll find out. Go ahead. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Huge shout-outs to Avilo Hadziv,
1: Esteban Garcia, Ali Dashti, Maddie Pasco, Danny Thunder, and Mordecai Hammer. What the? Dude. (laughs) All right. Danny Thunder uh i mean the the mental image that immediately came to mind was danny mcbride in tropic thunder literally
0: that's exactly what i thought of too my dude yeah with the burnt ear yeah 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 yes and then mordecai hammer
1: is like it's like spinning up world of warcraft and it's like random random (laughs) character name name generator generator. (laughs) it mordecai hammer is in that list yeah yeah for sure (laughs) yeah but
0: put them together i just think thor <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danny Thunder, mm. Mordecai Hammer together combined, they are Thor, Thor, the god of thunder, with a hammer. So,
1: uh, all our very important pixel supporters, um, are beautiful and special, but my goodness, what a name! Some aren't blessed with the same Some aren't blessed names with as others. <laughs> with the name Danny Thunder, uh, thank you all for supporting the show and yes, letting us you. talk Amazing. about your names, even though you had no control over them. <laughs> yes, if you didn't know. This podcast is listener-supported, which means that people like you who are listening actually make the show possible. Uh, This happens on Patreon. We have a Patreon where people can go, and starting at just a dollar a month, can actually contribute to the software that we're using and the work that it takes to create this every single week. And in return, uh, when you subscribe to our Patreon, you get access to a new special supporter-only segment of the podcast called the sidebar
0: sidebar sidebar Sidebar
1: sidebars like basically an extra half of the show usually we'll answer another listener question or we'll do an extra cool thing or something really design specific that'll really complete the episode so for example today we answered a listener question about designing across multiple device sizes and and thinking about typography across adaptive layouts. Mm-hmm. So if that's interesting and you want to hear a complete episodes of the show with the sidebar, in the backlog and for all future episodes, consider going to patreon.com slash design details and supporting us for just a dollar a month. Your support means a lot and makes the show possible. Thank you to everyone who's supporting us already. And uh, if you decide to support us this week, we appreciate you.
0: Thanks, everybody.
1: All right, time to follow up. Marshall, you have follow up.
0: Let us follow up. Okay, so last week we talked about the one-hand myth, Brian. Do people actually need to use their phones with one hand? We Mm -hmm. talked a lot about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I failed to mention is, is a really interesting thing that happened at DubDub. And I know I've brought it up on the show before, but I wanted to mention it again, which is the move that Apple has made recently with iOS to change... A lot of the overflow actions, like when you tap on something, instead of it triggering an action sheet at the bottom, it triggers a menu. And only when they have more uh, judicious decisions that they want you to make, like, are you going to delete this thing? Or, you know, kind of like more of an are you sure type of a question. Only then do they use an action sheet. Otherwise, they try and keep the thing closest to your hand as possible or, or, or the origination point of the tap as possible. So... This made me think of you know this one hand thing of like, it's not just about being close to the bottom of the screen, it's about being close to where the original tap was. And yep. so if you have a thing that's at the top of the screen and then a subsequent menu, putting that subsequent menu at the bottom of the screen sucks for the user and they're going to have to readjust their grip, if especially if they've already readjusted it to, to, to tap that thing at the top of the screen. So wanted to bring that up. What do you think? Exactly, yeah. I,
1: I like this pattern a lot it's not backwards compatible so I think like a lot of those popovers are for iOS 14 and beyond mm-hmm. so you might have to have some like put this in your spec right like if iOS 14 do this otherwise it's just the the old action sheet but in the future I think this is going to be the default going forward
0: yeah and I think it's a good rule right it, it applies to Fitzlaw law or it adheres to Fitzlaw. law
1: I, I like the way you framed it like if it's an are you sure question action sheet
0: slash alert. Otherwise, pop over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hit them where they are. Don't don't make me move. Uh, another yeah. thing I thought about while we were talking about this was southpaws. Brian, the left-hander is among us. It's what, 8% what? of the population? What does that like mean? That? Southpaws? Southpaw, yeah. It's a baseball term for a left-handed pitcher. You never heard that before? No. Yeah, southpaw. So I'm a left-hander. I'm a left Really? Uh-huh. How did I not know this?
1: I don't know. I don't know. That's I crazy. I guess it didn't come up in, in our five- million hours of conversation i guess yeah and how did i never notice <laughs> yeah are you ambidextrous at all uh yes not with everything but with across skills i, I switch yeah because you use right-handed mouse right right-handed mouse uh-huh. but i write with my left hand uh i use my phone with my left hand i eat with my right hand i throw with my right hand so yeah just hmm. random shit goes okay back and forth.
0: I probably should have known the use phone with left hand. That's the that's the giveaway. But okay, so this is interesting, right? Like, uh, have you used TikTok, Brian? I n- have never opened TikTok. No. Okay, probably for the best. But if you had, you would notice that on the player, they have these uh, actions, and the actions instead of being like in a toolbar along the bottom, they're over the video, aligned with the right side of the video. I think uh, mm. Byte did something similar to this, and like this is kind of common pattern now. But it's. Really great for a right-hander, real close to your right thumb. Uh, you got to reach all the way across the screen, though, if you're a left-hander. I'm not even sure uh-huh. if they allow you to flip it back and forth, but that's something to consider, too. If you're favoring one side of the screen, think about uh, the people who have to reach all the way across the screen to tap this. Add things. an option. Add a setting. Preference. Yeah. 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 If you're... And I wouldn't say that for everything. Like, if you're... If you just have actions across the bottom of the screen, I wouldn't you know, think of adding another setting. But if you really heavily favor one side of the screen or the other, maybe consider putting a setting in there.
1: All right. So I have a tiny bit of follow up. So uh, Geetha Holly, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is just on fire editing our transcript. So we put up the transcript for 370 last week. Uh, she edited 369 and Amazing. did another huge pull request to 370. So... Thank you again. If people don't know, we've started putting transcripts up. They're on our GitHub repo. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, they're very rough. We are just copying and pasting them out of our editing tool, Descript, and so they're far from perfect. And a lot of folks have volunteered to to help keep an eye on that, and Keith is following through. So thank you. Yes, thank uh, you. Keith. We'll keep That's the awesome. transcripts coming, but yeah, they're a little rough. If we don't give them at least a pass or two, so
0: yeah. Until Geetha touches them, in which case they, they look much better. But yeah, comes straight out of the script, a little little rough around the edges.
1: All right. Uh, that's
0: it for follow up. Got some tweets.
1: Yeah. So we had one tweet and related to our, our last episode talking about bottom oriented single hand use apps. Uh, Connolly Raider says one of my favorite thumbable interfaces is Pocket Cast's customizable action bar at the bottom of the player it allows the user to prioritize features and keeps them reachable. Mm, so good. I mean, I just love Pocket Cast in general, and this mm-hmm. is another reason. Yeah, you can customize the actions along the bottom when you're listening to a show. So whatever you need, wherever you need it, uh, they give you that control. It's not awesome. a
0: sponsor, by the way, but
1: uh, not a sponsor yeah.
0: should be given. Should how be. many times we've shouted them should out? Given how much business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this also reminds me of uh, Tweetbot. If you've ever used Tweetbot, the fourth and fifth tabs on the bottom are changeable. So when you long press on them, it pops up a little menu. You can choose which of like four or five different tabs can appear there. Mm, nice. Love that. Love that stuff.
1: Love it. Okay, this week's main topic, a listener question from Andrew C. aka The Chanch on GitHub. Chanch the Rapper. Chanch the Rapper asks, all right, this is a little bit of a long one. Uh, We will selectively paraphrase. Here we go. I need some advice. The work we are handing off is being implemented in a sloppy way with not a lot of design empathy or consideration of experience by the developers working on the product. The handoff process has become more detailed as we try to not lose the fidelity of the feature we've designed, but often certain decisions are made on the dev side where a choice is quote-unquote good enough and fails to adhere to the requirements of design. This results in a subpar experience when we defend ourselves mentioning that the implementation is not as designed. We get called out for either not caring enough or not being more on top of developers to work closer on the handoff. I don't know if it's relevant, but we don't have a design leader, manager, slash stakeholder higher up at the company. We're two product designers. We report to the director of product. And I've noticed that not having a more senior voice that speaks our language means our recommendations and criticisms of the process have fallen on deaf ears. What steps can we take to make sure that not only is the work done properly after handoff, but try to establish a more widespread culture about caring about the work that everyone is doing. Oh, oh, oh man, man, oh, man. I felt, I felt the frustration just squeezing through the pixels on my screen coming <laughs> out of Andrew's message here.
0: Bathed in tension. Yeah.
1: So, Marshall, how do you get engineers to give a shit is
0: how I would kind of sum that up. Oh, boy. Well, first off, this is not unique to your situation or your company or anything. This is just kind of how Inge works in my experience. It's like they have a lot of stuff they're thinking about that is more than just design. And it's really easy for them to go, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. It doesn't break. It doesn't crash. It's good enough. Also, they, they have their time mapped out and planned out a lot more granularly than we do as designers typically. So they know how long they have to do this thing because there are a thousand other things breathing down the back of their neck waiting to be done as well. So yeah, wanting to just do something that's good enough and move on to the next thing is not unique to your company. This is kind of just how Inge functions in my experience. Brian, how how do you feel?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've encountered this at times and it makes you appreciate engineers who give a shit a whole lot more when you encounter them and get to work with them. Yep, I, I took some notes I can go through and I guess maybe just stop me if you want to jump in and add something. Okay. Uh, the first is getting involved early and often, which it sounds like is already happening in this scenario. Yeah. But that would be the first thing is like lots and lots of communication. If things are getting dropped, point them out early. I think the most annoying thing that I've encountered for engineers is when you're at the finish line and you say, oh, but this thing isn't quite aligned right. And they're like, yeah, but we're shipping tomorrow. And too little, too late. So if you mm-hmm. have that process of critique and review happening early, happening often, it at least gives you more face time to try and catch more things before they ship. The second thing that came to mind, you wrote, quote, not having a more senior voice that speaks our language. And the thing that jumped out to me about this is this puts the onus on the engineers to speak the language of design. And I think that's a little bit unfair because as Marshall was saying, engineers already have a ton of shit that they're dealing with. There's a lot else uh, that they have to think about outside of the design. And so in my opinion, it's actually our job as designers to make the language of design really clear, approachable, internalizable for engineers. Mm-hmm. And you know how to do that, I'm not totally sure. I, I suppose like one useful exercise might be to sit down with your engineers and ask them what they think is good software, like, tell me about the apps that you really like. Why do you like them? Hmm. Force them to to really think about what it is about software that makes it good versus what makes it bad. And then take those good things and ask them, why is this good? Oh, well, I liked that it was easy to read or, or the buttons were all really clear or the labels were in the right place. I don't know, like having people arrive at the conclusion of, of design being impactful on the end user experience or or the way you feel about a piece of software, if they can... Come to that conclusion on their own. It seems more likely that they'll internalize that and remember it when they're off on their own implementing your mocks.
0: Yeah, it's a lot easier to make the why stick than the what. Yeah, if you get people invested in the why, the what comes easy.
1: Uh, the next thing I put down is to make compromises strategically, and you know we we've talked about this a lot on the show, which is like, oh yeah, compromise is a currency. Compromise is a currency. And figure out where you want to plant your flag. Is it on getting the corner radius of something completely right? Or is it on getting the layout and vertical rhythm and type hierarchy perfect? Like one of these is clearly more important than the others. And you should treat your reviews and your gates before shipping uh, accordingly. Like if something is more important, treat it as such. And the less important stuff, you know, either it's small enough that you should go in and fix it. Like figure out how to get into the code base or it's just not important enough to make a big deal about. And in an ideal world, you get all of this stuff, but it sounds like you don't have that world, so make your compromises uh, a strategic part of your work. Give things up that you don't care about so that when you have a big thing that you really feel is important, the engineers will recognize that you've already given up a lot of ground and they'll want to reciprocate that. Oh, yeah. I guess marshall i'm I'm curious your your point of view on this one because Andrew was saying that there's not a person like a design leadership position at their company, and honestly, I've found that to be really valuable to have somebody at the table in leadership at the company who everybody just respects mm-hmm. um, I mean <laughs> that's a game changer, and having a person like that buys a lot of goodwill for design and can win a lot of arguments. I don't know. What what would you do if you didn't have that? Or do you have experience without having a design leader in your company?
0: No, I don't. But if I were to think about what I would do if I were in that position, it's like when there's a void of representation, you can step into that, right? Like what you were saying earlier, the, the onus is kind of on you as the designer to, to speak that language and to share the why of how things are going, or at least to make sure that that communication is happening. As far as like, Actually having a seat at the table, and I I think one of the most important things you can have for design excellence is the ability to stop something from shipping when it's not good enough. And if you don't have that, no amount of leadership or lack of leadership is going to make a difference. It's like you need to be able to pull the brakes when something doesn't meet the bar rather than just getting yelled at and going like this time wasn't good enough next time don't suck so bad right
1: uh, one of my colleagues recently shared i think it's called stopping the line and it was a thing at toyota i believe where anybody on the the assembly line could pull a switch that would stop the entire process yep and if they identified a defect they could force everyone to address that before they shipped a bunch of shitty things.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how it should be, yeah. But if you don't have that bit to flip, if, if you don't have the power to say no, then, yeah, you're kind of destined to continue shipping whatever ENG ends up building. So, yeah, I mean, that would be, like, regardless of, of whether you have a voice in leadership or not, just the ability to say We don't think this is good enough and this doesn't meet our bar before anyone else can say, hey, wait a minute, that didn't meet our bar. What are you all doing over there?
1: I I think this gets to, I mean, you mentioned like how do you have excellence in the quality of your work? And I guess this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about helping the, the people on your team come to the realization that good design is important and results in high quality software. But that's how do you instill a very aspirational mindset in the heads of your colleagues that we're here to do the best work possible? In other words, how do you build a culture of excellence where people show up to do the best work they can possibly do and we only ship it when we're, we're proud to show it to the world and, and stand behind every pixel and every decision? And look, processes are processes. You're going to have to ship things that you're not always super proud of and you'll mm-hmm. have to fix in a follow-up patch. But it's, mm-hmm. it's really the principle of it, the aspiration of it, that if a culture truly embraces that and is all aligned, that hey, we're here to ship excellent software and nothing else. I mean, that's like superpower. That gives everyone the permission to stop the line, everyone the permission yeah. to, to say this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This is aspirational and it's hard to build that into a team but hey it's I think it's worth starting to try and and having conversations with engineers and trying to get them to want to do the best work possible, which means you know we're gonna care about
0: the details yeah and and like I said earlier, getting them invested in why you've chosen those details to be the way they are rather than just giving them a list of ingredients to, to add together in some order. Yeah. Uh, and hope that the recipe comes out okay. Like if they understand why you're putting in this much and stirring it for this amount and heating it at this temperature, like to, to stretch the metaphor, like that will make more sense to them, and they won't just be following instructions; they'll actually be cooking. Yeah. Um, uh, metaphors, Brian. The metaphors are good. Well, hopefully that answered your question.
1: Yeah. Hard things are hard. Keep pushing. Don't yeah. give up. Don't admit defeat. These things are improvable. They are fixable. And it will feel immensely satisfying to have sort of turned the tide of, of a culture that doesn't care about this kind of stuff into one, one that really does. All right. Uh, cool things and wrap up, shall we?
0: Let us. I will go first on the cool things this time, Brian. All right. Uh, my cool thing this week is neither a music thing nor a YouTube thing, Brian, for fucking once. I have a real world thing to recommend to people. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. IRL, IRL, face. cool yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, hit me. Uh, okay, so I, like many of those in our audience, am sitting in a chair most of the time, like 18 hours a day or so, it seems like lately. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I don't have the best posture in general. Mm-hmm. So my partner got for me a, a posture corrector. We'll have a link in the show notes to the specific one that I got, but I don't think it really matters. The one that I have is pretty good, so it's like fifteen bucks or whatever. But basically, it's like um, you know, Brian, in the old like uh, noir films, you know how like that the private investigator has like uh, that like gun strap that goes over his shoulders, like the, the holster thing, like uh, brown leather thing uh, yep. with yep, yep. It connects across the back. It basically looks like that, just without the gun holster part. Um, <laughs> so, it, like that's, ha- that's an optional upgrade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's like kind of stretchy, spandexy, soft, cushy material with these Velcro straps that you can adjust to the tightness that you want. And it basically uses that connection across your back to pull your shoulders backwards, which keeps your posture in good shape. And if you have a decent chair with lumbar support, your, your back's in good shape. So yeah. I, this has been helping me. My back has felt really nice. Not that it felt terrible before, but I I, I haven't worried now. And I, I noticed that my posture is actually even better when I'm not wearing the thing. So,
1: do you have to wear it over your clothes? Like, will everyone notice it?
0: Uh, I yeah, I'm wearing it over my shirt, and it definitely bunches shit up in a weird way. That I'm like constantly pulling my sleeves and the back of my shirt down. But aside from that, it's pretty bulky. I'm not sure that I would wear it under like a t-shirt, but maybe under like a hoodie, wouldn't notice.
1: Okay, Marshall, I'm about to send you something. Okay, look at this Amazon review.
0: <laughs> what the fuck?
1: There is a very great Amazon review. Uh, all I'll say is, go to the Amazon link in in the show notes. Scroll down to the reviews, and you will see a picture of a fellow wearing the posture corrector uh, in a place it is not supposed to go. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, uh,
0: great review. Great review. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh... five stars. <laughs> hey, can't go wrong. This guy says it's good. Must be. (laughs) It must be good. Yeah. Um,
1: I will also add, before we started recording, Marshall looked at this and it was sold out until November 4th. And it's now uh, 40 minutes later and I refresh and it's now
0: out of stock until November 6th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jump on it quick. So
1: maybe by the time this airs, it'll be like December 1st. Yeah, this is
0: a very specific one. But basically, it's just, you know, some fucking straps that keep your shoulders back. Like, you know, there's a bunch of different options. Don't don't have to choose this one. It does have an American flag on it, Brian. So that must mean it's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. What's your cool thing, Brian?
1: Uh, my cool thing. I can't believe I didn't do this. I guess it's been out a couple weeks now, and that is Halide Mark II, the camera application that everyone should be using to take photos. If you're on, uh, if you're using an iPhone, yeah. Um, mentioned Halide last episode, even right? Yeah, I think we mentioned it when we were talking about like great. Bottom oriented, thumbable UIs. Exactly. Uh, Halide does a great job. And so, yeah, I'll make that my cool thing this week. The app is great. The camera's great. So many good tools. Like it really unlocks a lot of the power of your camera. Like it's actually pretty amazing how much power is there, but untapped until you get into apps like this that really get deep into the APIs and and bring some functionality to the surface that gives you control over how your images are going to look. So let's just get that out of the way. App is fantastic. Go download it. Uh, It's a paid app. Just do it. It's independent software by a team of three. Everyone should support indie software and and just buy this. But on that note, this is a team of three. I want people to remember that. Like The quality of this is so fucking good. And if you go to their website even, like everything from their marketing to the app itself is just buttoned up. It is crisp. It has its own voice. I mean, this is like inspirational stuff for me. So I recommend people get the app, but also take time to poke around the supplemental content here and just admire some of the design that Sebastian DeWitt and and that crew is doing.
0: So Halide, Mark 2, it's out. I think they may be the only application in the App Store still using the page flip animation. Uh-huh. And I'm for here for onboarding. it. onboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig it.
1: All righty. Let's wrap. This has been episode 371 of the Design Details podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at DesignDetailsFM. If you did enjoy the show, just realize that you didn't hear the full show. If you're not supporting us on Patreon, uh, you missed the sidebar where we talked about designing for adaptive screen sizes. So if you want to hear that and full episodes going forward, consider supporting us on patreon starting for just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash design details otherwise if you have a question for us hit us up on our github repo link in the show notes but it's github.com slash design details open an issue in our repo uh, if you have questions that you want us to discuss in future episodes and we will do our best to get to it and talk about it on the show otherwise we will see you next week
0: sayonara Sayonara. Man, this is so hard to hear every week, but you're doing great. (laughs) Thanks. Sayonara. It's like um, a spoken version of marinara. (laughs) Sayonara, marinara. (laughs) See you later, alligator. Sayonara, marinara.
1: (laughs) Dude, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if that's a thing. Uh, It is now.